everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're coming to you from a non-air-conditioned underground basement room. Yeah. Uh, I, well, the underground and basement part uh, is is repetitive and also a lie. Uh, we're not we're not underground, but, <laughs> but that we is are. true. Underground basement. Under <laughs> underground bunker, I think, is what I meant. It's a little redundant. I think I meant um, bunker. It's the it's the redundancy office of redundancy. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah. So that. But uh, we are in an un, un air conditioned area, and I think that kind of goes along with our topic today because uh, the reason we're, we're we don't have air conditioning on isn't because the power is out. It's not because uh, it's not because uh, the air conditioner broke. It's because Orlando's trying to save some money here. So my, which is Mike, not a bad, which is not a bad thing. So Mike cracks me up because Mike Mike always brings things back to my face. And the, the reason being is, so I I've shared the story on the podcast that turning on air conditioning for me is a sign of wealth because when I was in debt, like in major debt back in the day, I had a car that had no AC. And it had AC and then the AC broke down. But I was on my, you know, that Dave Ramsey financial piece. I was on baby step number three. I think like we were getting out of debt or maybe number two. I forget which one. It's been so long. And we vowed as a family that we were not going to have air conditioning until we paid off our debt. And so it became like a strong motivator. Like I was in the middle of Arizona in July when the AC on my car died. And it was three days of traveling through Arizona with no AC. Suffered through it. But once the debt was paid off, I vowed that I would never sweat again in heat. But now, under the tyranny of California, <laughs> to save myself some money, because the electrical company rewards me for not having my power on from four to nine, I've decided to keep the AC off. Yeah. So uh, I just, he brings that up because I kind of jokingly said, yeah, this is coming from the guy who said, yeah, I, I will know. never go without AC again. I will crank my AC on just because <laughs> just despite everything. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so here we are, but, but that's the thing. It's all about saving money. Yep. Uh, so that, uh, that kind of goes with what we're talking about today and, and the idea of making money. How do we, cause there's two aspects of, of finance. We've talked about this in the past. The idea of, uh, aspect number one is you can save money, which is kind of what you're doing now. And aspect number two is you can, make money, right? And and those two things actually work really well together. And so in your business, you want to be saving money wherever you can, but you also want to make sure you're doing the things you need to do to be making money. And so today we're going to be talking about the number one rule for reselling, and that is buy low, sell high. It is the number one rule. Right. I would say if you just follow that rule in reselling, like that, that was the one rule you followed, it's pretty tough to fail. Yeah. I mean, unless you don't list anything, unless you just buy a bunch of stuff, yeah. but then you're not reselling. Now, the hard thing is, is as a, just a saying, that's one of those things like easier said than done. Like I could tell somebody, Hey, you want to make a lot of money in the stock market? Buy low, sell high. Oh yeah. I, okay. Right? Okay. I see so you can, saying. you could say that as like a rule. So, so what we're going to be talking about today is what are ways that we can make sure that you're actually doing that? Like actually following through ways to ensure that you are buying things at the lowest price you can buy them at and not just hoping you're buying low and then selling them for the highest prices that you can sell them at so that you're actually closing that gap between buying and selling and making that profit come. But the reason I, I, I really think this is important is a lot of people get caught up. You know, you get, you get on social media, you get on YouTube. And I've, I've mentioned this before, like people are like, oh, I just bought like a thousand items at this one time or especially on the, on the Amazon side. It's like, you know, people go and like, oh, I just cleared the shelves. And that's great if you have the capital. That's great if you know those things are going to sell instantly. But you can be in a whole lot of trouble. I was just talking to somebody the other day who I bought a bunch of stuff from uh, from eBay and they they stopped doing Amazon. And one of the reasons they stopped doing Amazon is they got caught up in the paying a lot for items and trying to get that 10 to 15% net profit. And what ended up happening is it got too competitive and then they were making like one to 2% profit. And then they ended up being in the negative. 
And then returns started coming in. So one of the reasons the number one rule for reselling is to buy low, sell high, is that it maximizes your ability to buy with the least amount of risk. Yeah. And one of the ways to do that is is spending less money, right? So when you're going out and you're buying something, if you can buy something at a low cost, and especially like if you're just first starting, you're learning a new niche, anything like that, uh, if you can come in and you can say, hey, I can buy this thing for a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, and there's potential profit there, then your risk is really low, right? You're mm-hmm. buying low. So that's that's really beneficial to kind of have that in the keys. If you can buy the item at an extremely low price, then that gives you a lot of freedom to take deals. It gives you freedom for other things. And then the other thing to consider is, again, it's profit margin. Of course, if you buy something for a dollar, you sell it for $2, you've doubled your money, but you're not necessarily turning a huge profit every time. Correct, correct. Uh, so there, there is something to be said about paying more, right? You can go the, the model where you're, you're buying something for $1,000 and you're selling it for $1,500. And if it's a quick flip, you, you didn't come anywhere near doubling your money in that way, but... It was one sell and it, you made but quite see, a bit. But see, I would not encourage anyone that's been selling less than a year to do that. No, exactly. And that's the thing is, is you don't want to buy high-end high items unless you are very, very experienced. Because even then, those people who are buying, paying a lot for an item, they know what is low for that item. They're in that niche. They understand mm-hmm. it well. So they are still buying low, but it kind of is like a rule of thumb. It's like, you know, there are people who've been doing something for a long time. They kind of understand when they can move outside of those rules. Like even talking about Dave Ramsey, uh, financial peace stuff. We've talked a lot about that. I think Dave Ramsey has a lot of good things to say. And I think he's very helpful for people who really just are financially illiterate, which I think most of us are. Unless I was, had, I still am. Right. Unless you've had like parents who were very financially literate and taught you those things, you probably just need somebody to come and say, Hey, credit cards are bad. Cut them up, throw them away. Right. But if you understand business and you understand you've been in the game a long time, you can say, actually, I know how to leverage debt. Uh, but that's a much more complicated process that that Dave Ramsey can't just quickly say in a book like, cut up your credit cards unless you understand how to leverage debt. And let me explain debt leveraging. And and then that's a whole nother thing. So sometimes it's easy to say the, the best way to do it is just buy not just low for the item, but just low cost items when you're first starting. Yeah. And I bring this up because I also this had me thinking the other day, you know, uh, TikTok's such a beautiful place to post and people are always nice and kind in the comments mm-hmm. and and the swamp. And uh, did it, did it, I got I got a comment, I think, on one of our YouTube videos. Like, we, I loved your podcast. And then I saw your uh, Pokemon video and the way you were lowballing everybody there. And I got, I never want to hear your podcast again. And I'm like, I said, hey, listen, it's just business, right? In the, in the words of the Godfather, it's just business. Like, there, there's everybody has a stake in the game when there's a negotiation, right? So if you're at a garage sale, if you're at a thrift store, if you're doing trying to do retail arbitrage, no one is going to sell you something for cheap unless they want to sell it to you at that price. Right. And people may argue this with me all day long, but we live in an era that everybody, pretty much everyone has a smartphone. Everybody has the ability to go on Google, go on eBay, find out how much things are worth. And sometimes people don't care how much things are worth. Sometimes people are just trying to offload stuff. And so it's very important that you understand that. Don't go in thinking, you know, oh, man, like this is this feels really bad, like, you know, paying low for stuff. No, it's business. Every business does that. You think when you go to Walmart or when you buy stuff at Walmart, like Walmart didn't only pay like pennies on the dollar for an item that you're paying five to ten dollars for. I mean, do you think I mean, we were talking about this other day. Uh, you know how I went to inside a Gucci store to try to get something verified, right. authenticated. And uh, I mean, how much a Gucci purses cost to make? Five bucks, ten bucks. Right. And then they sell for a thousand, two thousand dollars. I mean, do, do you believe that's unethical? I don't know. I don't think it's unethical, right? Yeah. People choose to pay that. Yeah, and that's that's kind of um, that's a good point. I mean, you've got to recognize when you're going into it. Uh, it's not always that people are trying to make that. Like you can see, we've we've been very clear because I, I I hate having to always always qualify things, um, but just don't qualify them. But but there are times like we've we've explained like there are people who rip people off, right? Like if you go to 100%. an elderly person who has dementia and they have an old car that's worth like $500,000 and you're like, oh, do you want me to get rid of this beater for you? You know what? If you give me $100, I'll take it off your lot for you. You know what I mean? And people like, like there is that people who do those things. And that is terrible. It's awful. People, we, we would never uh, promote that. But I can't tell you how many times I've bought things from people 
and I've, I'm I'm pushing for as low price as possible. And a lot of times, they're eager to get rid of it. And and if we don't use the negotiation tactics that we talk about a lot, sometimes I'll throw a number out, and and it, they're almost just like, yes, please. I and then I'm like, oh, they would have taken less. Right? They, like they'd they, rather sell it than have it still be there at the end of the day. Yeah, they don't want they don't want to deal with it anymore. They might realize, yeah, if I wanted to, I can start an eBay account. I can learn how to ship things. I could take some pictures. I could post this up. And then six weeks from now, this thing might sell. And then I got to figure that out. I want it out of my house. I just don't want to deal with this thing anymore. And for some people, it's not the money. In fact, we just recently uh, dealt with that. We'll be talking about a lot more in our, our upcoming podcast next week when we do our update episode. But many of our listeners were able to join our whatnot uh, auction that we did, a long five-hour auction. And we bought, I mean... So much stuff. I mean, we didn't even come close to touching it all on the auction that we did. We were on for five hours. We sold like 140 items and we still have probably another 400 like clothing items and shoes plus a bunch of hard goods. And we picked it up for a incredibly low price. And the person was happy and eager to let it go. Because, and they're listening to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, listening like, to this they're podcast. They're fine. We're and, friends. We're all good. And, and, and of course, I mean, everybody would like to potentially get more if they're going to get rid of it. But the idea is you don't know everyone's situation. You know, if somebody's situation is, Hey, I I'm moving or my wife wants this out, or I'm actually starting a new hobby, or I make so much money that the idea of listing something, my hourly rate that I make my, what my, I see my value as, uh, is way too much to deal with making a hundred dollars on some stupid video game. Sure. Take it for five bucks. I don't care. Right. So everybody has a different story. And, um, and when you're able to buy at low prices, like we were able to do with that eBay store buyout, it allows you to buy a lot more items. So if you're first starting, or even if you've been doing this for a long time, like Orlando and I are, are not new to the reselling game, and we're happy to be able to buy as many items as we can at the lowest price possible, because then you have a ton of flexibility. That's why people do will do storage buyouts, right? They'll buy a storage locker. And what they're doing is they're thinking, what is the total cost per item on this, this, this unit? And how low can I make that? Because then if my lowest cost per item is a dollar and I have to throw away a hundred items, but I'm selling a hundred items for 20, 30 bucks each, hey, that's a win, right? Because your average cost per item. So whenever you can make an average cost per item as low as possible, you're able to buy more of it with less capital, which is one of the benefits of buying low. When you're going to garage sales, I mean, you can maybe, if you're first starting out, make make that your thing. Like I'm Until you learn a few niches, unless you really see an item that's very valuable, just tell yourself, hey, I'm bringing 20 bucks and I'm not going to spend more than $5 on an item. And just go and say, hey, well, how, I'm going to try and get four or five items today. Maybe make it less. Maybe say, I'm not going to pay more than a dollar per item. Pick up $21 items just so you kind of learn how the process goes. And the more you do that, then you've got way more freedom to sell an item a little bit lower, make a mistake here and there because your cost was so low because you bought low. So it's important to go into that mindset, right? Because if you go in the mindset understanding that, hey, when I'm going to a garage sale, when I'm going to a thrift store, when I'm making a local deal that these individuals are looking to sell this stuff, then you're okay setting that lower bar. Now, you always want to say, you know, you want them to give the first price. I always say that all the time, unless you're in a scenario where you kind of, you can kind of read the room and go, yeah, they just want me to throw a number. They'll probably say yes. Right. I mean, that's kind of what happened, uh, you know, in the last few negotiations this summer, I had a few hauls and uh, I could, they just kept giving me stuff to make the, and I'm, I kept telling them like, I, I don't know if I can buy all this. They're like, oh, just, just, grab some more, just grab some more. And right away I was like, all right, they, they, they want to just help me out. Like they want, and they also want to get rid of this stuff. And so if I give a low number, no one's going to be insulted in this. And sure enough, I, I said, uh, at first I did feel a little uneasy. I said, you know, because I knew these people, I'm like, we're, we're kind of friends. And if I, I just, I want to be able to enjoy Thanksgiving together. And they said, listen, treat us like you don't know us. I'm like, all right. So I gave them the lowest number that I could like, totally be fine like no issues and and walk away with a great deal and they're like sure take it right and allowed me to be super profitable summer and so with that right with that low cost i was able to sell items for really good profit and then i was able to turn that money over into cash flow and buy more items so what it does is it allows you to build your capital right and that that's one of the things that i think as a new reseller a lot of people get stuck on uh, they go, let's say they go to the thrift, right? They, they don't, and I'm not saying you, you have to go to garage sales. I'm not saying you have to make local deals, but it's in San Diego. If you're a brand new reseller and you start off at, at thrift, I think the only benefit you'll get is learning, uh, what not to buy <laughs> because there's not much good here at our, at our chain thrifts. And on top of that, everything's really expensive, but 
if you're here's the thing, if you have, let's say you only have a hundred dollars, right? And you go to the thrift and you buy, let's say average selling average price for stuff here in San Diego at the thrift is like eight to ten dollars, right? Am I is that off? Yep, that's probably pretty. I mean, close why, why can you find things. something for like five bucks? Yeah, I mean, hardbound books now. <laughs> hardbound books, maybe. Okay, right. So you got ten items, and you bought those ten items, and you can't buy any more. Your money's tied up, right? Or even if you're, you know, you are a reseller that's been selling for for years, and you know, you're like, oh, there's this great retail arbitrage deal. I could drop ten thousand dollars, and you know, I could sell all these, and I'll be really profitable. But your margins are really low. And then another person jumps in on that listing. Either it's on Amazon or you get more competitors on eBay. That money is tied up. You're now in this waiting game. You're waiting for those items to sell to cash flow your next purchase. And that's a really bad place to be. And so this is why buying low is super important because it allows you to continue buying and continue building your inventory. Yeah, you, you kind of get the double benefit of uh, having free capital available because you're not spending it all on items and then also uh, allows you to to build that capital over time because I mean you want to be in that position I mean you mentioned it it would stink to give up your whole capital to buy a big big opportunity mm-hmm. but like I mentioned a couple episodes ago from the uh, richest man in Babylon quote that um, what was it like luck is a, a cruel mistress or waits only eager, eagerly for those who you know, I don't remember the whole. Anyways, the it was idea about is consistency, wasn't it? Yeah, basically, it's like op- it was opportunity. That's what it was like. Opportunity, yeah. opportunity is 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 there for you, uh, only when you are willing, like when you've set yourself up to be able to take advantage of it. Like, there's no luck. There's opportunity, and opportunity eventually will come, and you want to be in a position to, to to take it. And so, yeah, when you're first learning, you wanna you wanna not spend obviously all your capital, uh, and then as you're going, you want to have a a a good decent amount of capital available so that when those opportunities come up, if you do have a mega haul and you've got to drop a whole bunch, you can do that. And if you've been buying low over time and selling high, which is the point of reselling, then you're building that capital. Uh, But if you're always buying, if you're always on the edge, right? If you're always, if you're not willing to negotiate those few extra dollars off, if you're not willing to, you know, do what it takes to buy as low as possible, then you have less available capital that just it's going to happen like there's no way you have as much capital if you are not willing to take the deals even if it's small things like i remember i used to go to thrift stores and they would have you know mondays if you got the coupon it's like half off books and then tuesdays it's you know half off women's clothing and then thursdays it's half off electronics or you know whatever the situation is and you want to take advantage of those things like sometimes it's it's worth and of course, there's a lot involved of maybe it's worth going on days when those aren't on sale because then the good stuff hasn't been picked through. But when when you're just basic looking at it and you're saying, I've got X amount of money, I want to make that money go as, as far as possible. So how do I do that? Well, I buy the items as cheap as I can, even if that means I'm couponing, even if that means I'm I'm uh, I'm negotiating a little bit more and offer up or just being patient. I can't tell you how many times I'm like looking for a certain item. I'm like, you know, I want to source x whatever that is i want to source this thing and i'm on offer up and i'm like oh this is a pretty good deal but it's not great let me let me ask them and they say no when i try and and negotiate i could do one or two things i can go fine and pick it up and then you know pick up something for 75 dollars instead of 50 right like Mm -hmm. I, i couldn't get them down to 50 like i wanted them to and now I've tied up $75 and then let's say a week from now, another one pops up on offer up and they would be willing to take 50, right? Sometimes you've got to be patient. There's a lot of things involved, but you want to have that capital available. And that only comes from buying as low as you possibly can whenever you possibly can. I mean, I just, I'll give an Amazon example. This last Q4, I don't have a problem talking about this one. Uh, so there are these ski balls. Have you ever seen those like, uh, like the orange box, like a yeah. target, right? Yep. And I sourced these at Target like there was like a buy two, get one free toy thing deal. And I bought a lot of them. So my average cost was at, I think it was like $31. And at that time on Amazon, I was selling them for about 70, 80 bucks a piece, like flying. I think it was like October or something. And then one day I walked into, uh, I think it was a Marshall's. And I saw that they were selling the same thing for $19.99. And this this dread fell upon me because I'm like, all right. It's only going to be a matter of time until a bunch of resellers see this and see the Amazon listing and I'm going to be at a loss. So I dropped mine to like the lowest price on Amazon and I try to sell through 
And Mike actually got to see these yesterday. Yeah. Did you see those skee-ball things mm-hmm. in my garage? I did. I got, like a, I got like 40 of them. And the reason I have 40 of them is because within a few days of seeing that one at Marshall's for $20 instead of the 31 I paid, uh, the market ended up tanking. Like, And then so people initially got in there and it still was profitable for a little while. Uh, but then everybody started selling through. And then what happens when that takes place is Amazon can get it for even cheaper. So Amazon somehow... You know, whoever is their buyer figures out that, you know, where, where these items are and they get it for cheaper and then they kill the price. And so now I, I was out, I think, I think I have like 30 of them and I paid some out like 900 to a thousand dollars. All right. A ski ball. Like, well, maybe this Q4 though. So we'll see. We'll see. But this is why cost is everything. Now there is something really low cost. that can definitely help you out and it's helping us out on Patreon. We try to run lean on this on this uh, podcast and still bring you quality, right? But our equipment isn't isn't cheap. I mean, I I don't know what this is called in the center here, yeah. but this was not cheap, yep. right? Our, our audio interface, yeah, yeah. A lot of the 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 stuff that we have to do, we've joked in the past, like that our our supporters keep the lights on, um, and and sometimes even the air conditioning, right? So, uh, but but the reality is, yeah. So there is the the cost that that everything costs for us to do, right? All the things that we have to do for the podcast, along with our time, uh, that's probably the biggest thing. Everybody understands that your time is valuable. And so giving up this time for the podcast is, it's work, right? We put in this work, we love it, we enjoy it because we have a great community. Uh, But the reason we're able to justify doing this, uh, it's twofold. One, it's the, like the actual support of people saying like, thank you, leaving us feedback, you know, supporting us and us feeling like, Hey, what we're doing is making an impact. And then two, the, the, the financial support. And we, you know, occasionally run some advertisements, you know, here and there, uh, you know, things, companies that, that we find valuable. And, but we've always been, everything is free. Like we, we don't hide anything behind a paywall. We're not hiding our content. If you want the rest, the last half hour of our podcast, if you want, uh, if you want to get, you know, the real secrets, Hey, if you want the bolo, uh, then you have to sign up. We though have been lucky enough to have enough people say, you know what, we we love what Pierce Podcast does uh, and stands for, and so we want to support you and say thank you. And so we have a Patreon, and the Patreon basically is just your way of saying thank you, Pierce Podcast, for everything you guys do for us. We want to support you. We want to be able to make sure that you guys can uh, keep those lights on and keep making content. And along with that, we do offer our Discord. So our Discord is a community of people who are supporters of Pierce Podcast. Uh, that can go in there. We've got a lot of different channels where people can ask questions, where they can talk about things reselling related, funny. Just a community. Stories. Yeah, it's a community. And it's not it's not like us hiding content. It's just a community. Because in fact, Orlana and I are active on there, but we're definitely not the most active people on there. There's people who are are on there all the time, answering questions, helping out, doing things. And so, and if you don't even have to join the discord if you don't want to you can just support us but we want to say thank you for everybody who does support us because that is what keeps pure podcast going yeah so it's just 555 a month about 18 cents a day uh so less than a penny an hour no but it's 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 a great great price like it's and i I don't believe mike and i are going to be changing that anytime soon because we want as many people in there but we do want people to kind of have a buy-in right so everybody's you know on the discord wanting to be there and kind of having a stake in, in what we're doing. So join us, uh, patreon.com slash peers podcast, or go to the link below. Yeah. All right. Now I kind of was leading into this, uh, before I jumped into it, the, the idea that the lower the cost of your item, the more competitive you can be. Right. And that's what happened to me. I couldn't be competitive anymore. I was done. And this applies on eBay too, though, because See, Mike and I are very much list high with best offer. I don't know. Are you still, are you still that way? Or are you kind of like, I'm going to be the lowest price on stuff? No, I don't try to be the lowest price. Um, okay. I don't try to be the highest either. I try to be kind of the, the selling price most of the time, unless it's a really unique item, then I'll list high. Uh, but, but I want my items to, to sell. Uh, but yeah, a lot of times if you got competition, we've talked about things you can do to, uh, to beat that competition. It could be pictures. It could be description. It could be, there's a lot of things you can do having a good reputation. Uh, but when you can offer your item for a little bit cheaper or put your item on sale or take an offer. But if you paid a lot, you can put it this. on sale. Yep. You can offer that lower price. You, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. You, if somebody says, Hey, I'd love to buy it, but can we do free shipping? You're like, Ooh, if I do free shipping, then I'm not profitable anymore. Like if you're buying stuff at that cost, I would definitely reconsider what you're buying. 
and I'm not a guru. I'm just telling you, like you want, you want so much space, especially in the secondary market, right? So you want to be what what it does when you buy low, you have a lot of room to, to negotiate, and there's a lot of things that aren't going to bother you that would normally bother, uh, you know, the new reseller or the reseller that's buying stuff at a high cost, right? So let, let's break some of these down. The the very first one, the easiest one is if you list with best offer. Right. You have plenty of room to negotiate. Right. So let's say you paid two dollars for something and you have listed for 50 and somebody offers you 30. That's great. So you're making a lot of money on that. But let's say you're having a slow day and you don't have a lot of sales and somebody offers you like 50 percent. Now, would you take a 50 percent? Are you still on the no? Yeah, usually not. Yeah, <laughs> we're careful because now everybody's gonna send us a bunch of fifty percent offers. Yeah, no, I mean, unless, unless, I mean, if I'm willing, my my thought is, um, uh, if I'm willing to take fifty percent consistently on items, I'm just gonna listen at fifty percent off. Right? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but the, I mean, I'll take offers depending on the item. There are times where like I've got something listed for a hundred and somebody offers me seventy. That's a thirty percent off, and I'm like, you know what? I bought it at a low enough price. Sure. Um, usually it's not 50. I probably have taken fifties here and there. Uh, but, uh, I mean, but here's my little stitious theory. Okay. I'm a little superstitious. I'm, you know, a little stitious. Okay. Is that when things are slow and you accept an offer, even if it's a low ball offer, you will get a bunch of sales that follow after. It may not be, it may be immediately. It may be later in the day. It may, may have happened either way. That's what I mean. But I truly believe the algorithm wants to sell through. And so sometimes like today, today I took an offer. Uh, it's something I had listed for like 30 bucks and it's been sitting for a while and I paid 50 cents for it. And somebody offered me 11. I'm like, I'll make that person's day. Sure enough, accepted the offer. And then within moments, a bunch of other sales came through. So I may have lost $20. And again, I'm not losing. I'm already winning. I already have $10 net profit. And then I have all these other sales that come through that are more profitable. Okay. Now that doesn't mean if you know my store, like, you know, try to send me low ball offers because I might accept every once in a while. Because uh, uh, I do. I Every day I get low ball offers. Every day. Every day. I mean, not every hour, but every day. But the, the bottom line is, is you are more, you're going to be more willing to accept offers if you didn't pay very much for an item. If you paid a high price, you're not going to that. And then on top of that, fees are going to start bugging you. Yeah. I mean, because the overhead of, of reselling, one of the nice things about it is it's so much lower than the overhead of brick and mortar and a lot of the other things you have to deal with. And at times it can be frustrating when you're looking at, you know, the fees that eBay is taking and then you've got your store fee and then you've got your this fee and then you're that fee and then you're shipping and then you're tax and it all just starts to add up. And you're just seeing dollar signs, but the lower that price was, it's not, it's not going to impact you as much. Now, does it stink that you're losing, you know, 15, 20% of your sale by the time all is said and done? Yeah, that's, that's really frustrating. However, uh, because what it really comes down to is that profit margin, how much net profit you're able to make. So the lower cost you were able to buy something from for the higher that return on investment is going to be, which means, yeah, even though you're, you're taking a hit no matter what. If if you're only making ten dollars on the item and then you lose, you know, two or three dollars in fees, as opposed to you're making twenty dollars on the item because you had a lower buy cost and you're still paying that same two to three dollars in fees, doesn't hurt you nearly as bad. Yeah, e eBay fees should never be a barrier to selling, like it ever, it, un unless you're buying stuff that's like one to two dollars profit, which again that that means you're you're buying high. You know, and you're trying to sell high instead of buying low and selling high. And, you know, I, over the years, I've heard a lot of people discuss the idea that, you know, oh, I don't want to move up in my eBay store because I have to pay more. And so, but I'm also, I can't list anymore because I have a list more. I have more insertion fees. And uh, I had this weird phase as I was growing my eBay business where I was almost to the next level, but I wasn't there. And so I ended up having to pay, I don't know, a few hundred dollars more on listings because I wasn't at that next you know, right. And so I still, it still was a better option not to jump up in store, but I've seen, I've seen multiple people over, you know, on social media, on YouTube talk about, well, I can't list for the next five, six days because, you know, I don't want to pay those extra fees. And that's just, and I, I know I'm going to sell on people's souls, but that's a terrible philosophy. 
the reason it's a terrible philosophy is because if you have an item that you could sell for 20 to $30 and a 25 cent insertion fee is holding you back, you're losing. Yeah. You're I, losing. I, I don't know. I mean, are there a lot of people that feel that way? Oh yeah. I've seen it over the years. I mean, not a lot like, like 50% of sellers. I would say it's like 10%, but really that seems even that seems high. I mean, I understand the, uh, like the fears on taxes, uh, when you're dealing with like those thoughts, but like let us know in the comments. Is Orlando crazy or you've heard people say that before? Yeah, I'm sure there are some people who are there. Um, I feel like most people, the question that kind of comes up of like, at what point is it worth getting a new store yeah, versus yeah, not? That. that that seems a little bit more common than, than you know, I'm going to stop selling so that I don't have to pay in search. I'm going to stop fees. listing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that the listing thing is a thing. I, yeah, I can see there's probably some people who are there. Well, there's a time when I had like the thousand item threshold, right? And if I went over that thousand, like let's say I had 200, right? 200 times 25 cents. I don't know how much that is, but $40 maybe. No, I don't yeah, know. So the thing is like, it's that store level, right? So the, the hard part is if if you're just looking at, oh, I'm only paying an extra 25 cents. I think most people would be willing to do it. But, but here's the thing. If I never had an eBay store and I had to pay 25 cents per item, I would still list like crazy. Right. But the point I'm trying to say though, is if you're, if if that's the thing, I don't think that's what's holding people back. I think what people are thinking is like the jumping up to an extra store level of if I'm going to be paying an extra $30 a month and I might only be listing two extra items. It's not worth the $30 for the two items. I, I might as well just pay like the insertion fees as opposed to uh, going up a store level. I think I think that more people are probably there. Of At what point is it actually valuable? Because if, if your threshold is 1,000 and you're only listing 1,000 two items a month, or have a thousand. Then make it. A, then make it a thousand fifty. Then make it a th- make it profitable. The point I'm trying to make like don't that, don't always go like oh man I'm all, I'm at nine ninety nine. But you don't always have that opportunity. You don't always have that choice. Like if you're a new. That's on the comments. Is is Orlando off or or? Well, you got to let me finish articulating okay, sorry. my thought. So <laughs> let's go to like the smaller store level. So okay, if you're okay. starting out. You're at fifty items in your store. Yeah. You've sourced. You you've been at like 30, 40 items. I don't know what the store levels are at that level um, anymore. But like, let's say it's 50 items and you've been sourcing like crazy. You're still learning. You've figured out a few things. And now you've got like a total of 55 items you could have listed, right? And the next store level is 100. You can't just say, well, I'm going to buy the 100 store and list 100 items. Because if you're like only able to to source like two or three items But if a your week, cost is low, you're able to source a lot more than two or three you're, items. You're assuming that the average person can just go out and source more items always. Like that's not always the case. You could if you wanted to. Yeah, but but again, like the the person who's like concerned, like you were saying about like it, more insertion fees versus what they can do, that's not a seller who's out capable of sourcing hundreds of items a week because that's an experienced seller. The person who's probably concerned about that is the person who's like just starting out and has like fifteen items in a box, right? So I don't know. I no, I, I disagree. I think it's a person that's reaching that thousand dollar level that they're past five hundred items. Because when you're selling 15, like, how serious? I mean, that that's just like every but once that's, in a while. But that's when you're worried about, can I go up to another store level? Once you're at 1,000 items in your store, you're able to do... You you understand the market enough to do the math to figure out, I don't know. should I move I, up a store? I've seen plenty of sellers like, I'm not going to move up or I'm not going to list more. I like where I'm at. And maybe I'm wrong. If, if you're in well, the yeah, comments, you're like, I'm that person. There's, there's nothing wrong with that stop, either. Stop saying, being so mean. Like, let me know. But then those are two different things. Again, though, there's nothing wrong with saying I like having a thousand items in my store. I don't want to manage any more than that. Like if they say I like where yeah, I'm as at. Long, I think it's as long as it's not a cost issue. If it's a cost issue, I think something is wrong. Because the, the amount that eBay charges you to list something like, for example, all the time, you know, when I sell something that's been listed for like three years, people are like, oh man, I would have just donated that. I'm like, wait, I sold something for $300 and I paid $3 in fees the entire time to keep that listed. And so I would have donated something that I could have made more than $200 net profit. Why? Because I didn't want to pay $3. Like that just doesn't make sense. But that's, that's the example of the item that you're selling for 300, but I'm sure you've got things. That Even are if listed. it's $50 and I pay $3, it's still worth it. I'm sure you've got things though that you've got listed that are up for 25 bucks mm-hmm. that have been up for years. That's fine. And if I, if it costs me $3 to keep it listed for years and I sell it for 25, that's still $20 I made. But I don't know if it only costs you $3 to have it listed for years. 
If I have a store right now, let's say I didn't have a store and we can go around and around 25 cents a listing. Okay. I think that's what the going rate is. Right. So you, th that's per month, right? So what's that? Two fifty that's $3 a year. Okay. Let's say it's listed for five years. That's $15. So the point in time when I eventually will make no money would be like eight years of that item being listed. Like that's, that's just not going to happen. You know? I just, I, I, again, I, there's a lot of people, I, all the time people ask me, Orlando, should I donate my stuff? It's not selling. And I'll say, how long have you had it listed? Oh, six months. And I'm like, well, unless you for sure know it's a terrible bad buy, keep it up. I mean, if you're selling for more than $20, keep it up. Unless you're short on space, unless, you know, it's affecting your life. Like, you know, you're sleeping with your inventory, like keep it posted. You disagree? No, I mean, I think, I think there's, those are all valid points. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think that there's probably a point where you've got junk listed, not you, but no, I do have, have junk listed that have junk listed <laughs> that like, I'm not saying it should be purged, but there's probably times when purging is a good thing and, and, and condensing your inventory, just making your store. Cause you like, you're very big on the idea of the algorithm, right? The algorithm mm -hmm. is going to benefit you for taking a low ball offer. And I think, the validity in that comes from the idea that the algorithm is promoting or pushing stores that have a higher sell through rate. Mm -hmm. So in that same rate, if you've got 20% of the items in your store have a very low sell through rate and it's dragging your store sell through rate. Oh, down, I agree with that. You could actually yeah. be losing significantly more money than the couple of dollars it costs to have an item listed. Unless you do what eBay wants you to do and you have everything promoted listing at 2%. Even if you have it promoted at 2%, right? Like if you have everything in your item store promoted 2% and your sell through rate is half of that of your competitors. Oh, no, no. No, sell through rate is king. I don't disagree with you. Like I, again, if it's something that's been sitting around and I'm going to make decent profit, I'll just sell it. I don't care. Like it's, it's very, you and I have both like changed over the years. Like right now we're pretty much, if it's a decent offer, we'll sell it. It doesn't matter. And I think, I think oh, it, it's hard when you're first selling, first selling, you, you don't want to accept those offers. You don't, you know, you're like, I could get five, 10 bucks more, but over time you just are like, no, let's move. I mean, that's why on that one out auction, like, I don't think we flinched. I mean, we're, we started some stuff at do a dollar. Yeah. No, we were, we we're happy to let things go. I just think, where I see inconsistency in what you were saying is okay. one half is like take an offer that's half off because you might be able to trigger the, the if your cost moving. is low, if your cost is low, however, um, potentially hold on to an item for a long, long period of time in your store. If your cost was low, but if that's dragging your sell through rate down, like that's having the same impact. Like you might as well, you, if you'd be willing to take a half price, like if you're, if you paid $3 for something, and it sat for three, four, or five years. Mm -hmm. You would have been willing at some point to have taken a lower offer on it. It might have been worthwhile to just purge it from your inventory so you have a higher sell-through rate for your store. I think I think that's a valid point too. I mean, I wonder. I, you got me thinking. Like, what if I purged? Like, I know there's at least five hundred items. Like, I yeah. I mean, one of the things I do is I I don't do this always. It's, it's like a, not a frequent thing, but I occasionally will go through and I'll find the items that I've had listed the longest that haven't had any like movement on it. Basically I look for my stainless items, the items that, that have been on for a long time and haven't moved. And then those will be the ones that I slash prices or I'll in the listings and relist. And then if I'm still having issues with those items and I've slashed prices, I've done more research Then for me, it's like, I mean, I have more of, of inventory space issues than you have, but to me, it's like, I'd rather get rid of that item, whether it's sell it locally, donate it, I mean, unless there's a lot of profit, like, of course, if I paid $5 for something and I'm like, I see that these things go for a hundred, sure. I'll keep it up. But I think a lot of times if it's, especially if it's like, I paid $2 for this, they sell for 20 bucks. I thought they sold for 20 bucks, but I've had it for two years and I've, I've slashed the price. I've done offers and it hasn't sold. Maybe it's not worth being in my inventory. All right. You haven't changed my mind, but you got me thinking, let us know your comment. Let, me, let us know your thoughts. See, we're all about documenting our journey. I, I don't believe we have all the answers. No, I mean, I, I could be right. Mike could be right. We could both be wrong. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right. Hey, and, and here's the other thing. It, doing promoted listings isn't going to bother you. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'll never, you know, give eBay that four or 5%. But here's the thing. If eBay is telling you that their major revenue comes from promoted listings, they want you to promote your listings, right? At least at the bare minimum, 2%. 
Right. And sometimes you might have to do a higher, but that's the thing. If your cost is low, let's say you have a new retail arbitrage item and you have to do that five to eight to 10% promoted listing item. If you got the item at a really good price, it's not going to phase you. But if you paid a good amount and your margin is pretty slim, you're going to be hurting. Yep. True. All right. Hey, uh, so before we move on the show, you know, we're talking about buying low and selling high. And here's the thing. A lot of you caught, you know, I kind of ha- was going back and forth on whatnot a few episodes ago. I think back in April, I kind of was like, yeah, I don't know about selling on whatnot anymore. Right. But my mind over the month had changed. And the reason they changed was because I saw a great sourcing opportunity and I saw a great opportunity to liquidate inventory and move inventory quick. Right. So this is why we did this auction. We bought this eBay store. Mike and I really didn't want to keep all the stuff and, and we wanted to just, you know, I, I, I have space, but I have plenty of stuff that I need to find space for. And I didn't want to add a whole eBay sort of the inventory. And so Mike and I were like, let's move it quick. And guess what? Whatnot was a great option to move it quick on top of that. Uh, and by the way, thank you to all of you that stayed there for five hours. Yeah, uh, That was impressive. Uh, somebody said that they stay there to learn. Yeah. Which, which I, I will tell you, I, I am honored. I'm humbled by that because, you know, it was, it was fun. I, I learned a lot too, because we were pulling stuff out of the inventory. We've never sold before. We're yeah. like, whoa, oh, how much is this worth? This sells, yeah. But here's the thing. Everybody got a deal. Everybody got a deal. Especially right? if you used our link, right? Cause we had a link and it's still in there. We've got it actually, it's not too late to sign up for the link. Even you don't have to spend it on our store. But we have a link down in the description uh, on the podcast and on the YouTube. If you're on Instagram, it's on our link tree. The link will take you to uh, whatnot. If you're brand new, a new buyer to whatnot, then you can use our link to sign up and it gives you a $15 credit. I think even if you're already signed up, but you haven't like bought stuff with it, if you're considered a new buyer, you can still click it, try it. Uh, and you'll get $15 credit that you can use on an auction. So whether that was our auction, you got to use it. Uh, we may have another auction coming up soon. Uh, and even if we don't, feel free to use that 15. That's that's like a gift to you. Please use it on somebody's But it goes along with our stuff. podcast. Yeah. You can buy a lot of stuff. First of all, you'll get that $15 credit. So you're already going to be able to buy low. You might be able to buy for free, mm-hmm. right? But there is so much sourcing that you can do. I would say Whatnot right now is a greater tool for sourcing than it is for selling, at least for the experienced reseller. Right. Unless you're able, again, if your cost, here's the, here's the successful point of Whatnot. I do think you need to have some kind of a following or you need to have people interested in what you're selling. But on the other side, you need to have your cost really low. So I would say bins, somebody that's able to like liquidate stuff, you know, like Mike and I were able to buy an entire eBay store, something to that effect. But here's the deal for everyone. You can buy stuff really cheap and sell. I mean, how much stuff did we sell yesterday that people were at least going to three X or money, maybe five X. I think some stuff they were going to be able to 10 X. Yeah. Right. So check out whatnot. Check our link below. Get that $15 credit and it'll help you out. That's right. Hey, if you haven't uh, yet followed us on social media, please do so. We drop a lot of uh, information there and, uh, you know, we give you updates on maybe when our next whatnot auction is happening, when our meetup, <laughs> which is supposed to happen this fall, is happening. <laughs> Mike's like, what? Uh, check us out. Uh, we are Pierce Podcast on uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and TikTok. And I've, I've been keeping us active on TikTok again. Um, help us out in the comments on TikTok. I always, I got to tell you, like people are just like keyboard warriors on TikTok. Yeah, don't, don't, don't let your feelings get hurt. Okay. I, I don't, I don't get hurt. I'm just like, I'm not playing games on TikTok. So anyway, jump on over. Also, uh, we are on Twitter. We're Pierce Cast. If you want to give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. You could also shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com. And that is podcast at gmail.com. And I always like sharing this now because I love what people tell us. Like we we've been listening to the podcast the other enti- entire time. Actually, when people went on the auction, they're like, "Whoa, you look nothing." What do you imagine? I always wonder. Like, you know what I would love is, I no, this is too narcissistic to even say. But I would love if somebody would sketch what they think we look like. Somebody who has like skills as an artist before they watch us on YouTube, and then watch us on YouTube. And if it's way off. Like post it somewhere or DM us. I would love that's to a, see. That's a very specific request. So somebody who has <laughs> listened to the podcast is a fan enough to spend time for the podcast yes. has never seen the people that they enjoy from the podcast <laughs> and is also skilled at sketching. <laughs> okay, okay. So if that person exists. Okay. So so little much, little much. But uh, I just 
I, I just, yeah. I yeah, thought that was be interesting. Cool. Be interesting. All right. So jump on over, hit that subscribe button, uh, that bell notification, and that like button. Also, uh, would love it if you would drop a iTunes uh, review uh, for us on Apple iTunes. Uh, just going to share two quick ones. Uh, love always hearing what you guys have to say. This comes from a, a great game underscore five. I've been listening to PHP for about a year, and I've enjoyed all the episodes I've listened to. My, my wife and I have been reselling together for two years, and during that time, have experienced from one corner in the house to two cargo trailers of inventory. Really enjoyed hearing from two resellers what it's like reselling the real world. I like the way uh, they keep it real. I relate to Mike navigating work and family life while reselling. Rondo is living proof that you can have reselling as your primary income. Uh, listening to them always motivates me to get out and start listing my death piles. Nice. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your game. And then uh, somebody else had shared. Uh, this is from. Uh, do we read Shaquille? Didn't we do Shaquille O'Deal? I feel like that name's come up before. It sounds familiar. But this is recent. This was just yesterday. All right. So Shaquille O'Deal said, "Reliable and relatable. This podcast makes Wednesdays real and relevant. Love it. Yeah. So I appreciate all of you for tuning in and helping us out on the Apple iTunes. That's right. All right." Now everybody's like, all right, let's let's hear how people made some good money here. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, hustle of the week. All right, our first one comes from Libby uh, at Conchi Consignment. And Libby is a great uh um just supporter of the podcast. Great person. From from like day one, uh has been like huge supporter of mm-hmm. us. Uh and you know, we've had opportunity to talk multiple times on like when we were doing the buy me coffee meetups and uh, or, or the coffee hangouts or whatever we were calling those also on our discord. So, uh, and if you check out, she's got a YouTube channel. I'm sure she can post it in the comments on the YouTube of this. Uh, and cause she's got a really cool method of selling. So check her out for sure. So she paid $5 three years ago for an apothecary scale. Uh, decided you know what that is an apothecary Yeah, scale. So yeah, well, it's like medicines and like, okay, see, you know, that's the, I, I'm impressed. I didn't even know what that was until I saw her Russell the week. Yeah. It's like, you know, like oils and medicines and powders. And, oh, good for yeah. you. Um, I believe, I mean, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. That's what apothecary is. Uh, so a scale decided to finally list it on eBay and sold it for $200. But while she was taking it apart to ship, heard some rustling in the drawer. That could be good or bad. Inside the drawer found some old coins, a small piece of gold and paper money. While those things weren't worth a ton of money, it definitely made the sale a lot more fun. That's fantastic. Love it, Libby. That That's uh, whenever you can find some monies in an item that you sourced and a piece of gold. I mean, you say it's not worth I a know, lot of money. I know. That's what I meant. Small I mean, gold. gold. Like, are we talking flakes? Yeah. Like, is this we... a flake or is this like a little <laughs> nugget of gold? Because that's a lot. There's some money in gold. So fantastic deal. All right. This one uh, comes from, thanks again, Libby. Appreciate it. Uh, this comes from a uh, Travis from our discord uh, said this week, I went to my local thrift uh, when I spotted a camo jacket, the pattern I knew was vintage, maybe from the 70s. So I grabbed it. I didn't do much research in the store, brought it home, looked at it again, and it was reversible. I looked at the buttons, <laughs> buttons, but how do you, well, how do you say that? Yeah, button. Buttons. So I looked at the buttons and they they marked the United States Marine Corps. The jacket was in fantastic condition. Then I felt something puffy in one of the pockets. Lo and behold, it was the helmet cover posted in several vintage camo and military Facebook groups. Props to Travis for doing yeah. that because yep. I that's something I wouldn't have done. Yep. Right. And, and it paid off. Found out it was a World War II United States Marine Corps frog skin third pattern jacket and helmet cover. The first camo used in the military. Oh, that's pretty cool. Interesting. It is extremely rare. I sold the jacket to a collector for $450. And currently the helmet cover has a bid of $300. Wow. That That's impressive. And so, by the way, they paid $3. Yep. So $3 to $450. Yep. That's... So, again, the idea of buying low and selling high. And I got to tell you, the fact that, Travis, you went to those Facebook groups... Like, and here's the thing. You probably made even better money because you didn't have to pay fees. Probably just directly sold this to somebody. So that is definitely a hustle of the week. Are you ready for more? Yep. All right. Our next one comes from Chelsea. IG handle at Monarch Alley. 
Uh, picked up two Little Tykes football toy chests for about nine dollars. This is like our third time yeah. talking about those. Each at the thrift and listed on eBay and sold for eighty two dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, those things are they're a little big. They're they're a little much to uh to yeah. To be careful with, with the dimension. I think she has a YouTube video, she has a YouTube channel, and she talks about how I think she lost a little bit of money on the shipping because yeah. she didn't calculate it. Right. Yeah, you got to be careful. Those are those are big items, but they definitely they definitely move. Uh, decided to add a second one. Um. What does that mean? I just, because she mentioned two, so I thought, you know what, let's throw on in a second one. Second, as in a, a second hustle of the week? Yep. Okay. Uh, so here's another hustle of the week from her. <laughs> so picked up a pair of salt shakers from her own inventory and wrapped them up in some newspaper, um, or they were wrapped up in newspaper. So did a reverse Google image lookup and found out that they were valuable. Uh, she listed on Macari and sold a pair of vintage salt and pepper shaker set cupcake boy girl winking for money. I don't know how much. It's not on here. <laughs> Fantastic. (laughs) I think it went from $2 to $75. Sorry. That was okay. The the one out auction threw us off. Like I, I was like flying, like trying to put the notes together for the show. So, so there you go. Did we get an alert? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Is it a power alert? Yeah, this is a conserve energy. Now, this is why we don't have the air conditioning on conserve energy now to protect public health and safety. Extreme heat is straining the state energy grid. Power interruptions may occur unless you take action turn off or reduce on so we're being told we have to turn off stuff or there might be power Bro, outages like what is this that's crazy so if this podcast goes down you know why you know why and it could happen because we're running off of power on the the the, the camera and the mics and stuff right now so okay but the only power we have going is i have two fans in, in my place no no, no but but the, basically the threat is if, uh, if enough people don't reduce power they might shut power off for like whole areas like rolling blackouts in uh california uh, it's like a thing just crazy if it's not the fires that are making us turn off the power it's that yeah so, don't charge your electric cars if you've got them anyways chelsea from monarch alley thank you for those two great hustle of the week uh make sure to check out her youtube channel uh she has great content over there she's the one that sold that uh first edition nintendo power magazine nice remember that was pretty yeah. awesome so all right what's your hustle of the week man uh so i've sold a couple of um like manga books in the last couple of weeks or the last week for each one of them. It's interesting. They both went, they're two completely different ones. One was like a cyborg one. And another one was, um, a lone wolf. And they both went for about $35 plus shipping. And I, I think my cost on these were probably about 50 cents each. Okay. Uh, so said that paid a dollar to like, you 70, bought low. Yeah. Bought really low, uh, which is not, not usual for these types of items, especially for the, the lone wolf. There's, um, I don't know enough about this manga series or, uh, but when I talked about Hermit Crab last week, the guy at the the swap meet, I can't wait to get that that uh, the birch. Yeah. So he, uh, so he, one of the things he said is, "Would you do trades?" And I'm like, oh, "What do you got?" You know what I mean? Like, like you got to explain. There's probably a lot of new people going Hermit Crab. Yeah. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the last episode. It was great. So um, I'm gonna push him to our episode. I don't want to. I don't want to give him the spark notes here. I don't. I don't want to do the work for him. Um, so anyways, he's all, would you, would you be willing to trade? So I'm like, sure. What do you got? And so he opened up this like envelope that had some like comic books in it and then some like trading cards and like three of the comic books he had were like these lone wolves. So instantly I'm like, oh, I actually, I know there's money there. Uh, but like I did a quick search and like there wasn't enough money to make it worth trading for the stuff that I had. Uh, but so that's a hustle of the week and maybe slash a bolo, um, maybe do a little research about why that specific manga is is so valuable because i've sold some for like 60 plus of this brand uh so i i i I think it might be that there's just not a lot of them in the united states i think it was like a small run of them um or they're they're coming over from japan and so if you get into it you you kind of have to like find them you know so people are willing to pay the money for them uh so yeah i mean buying low definitely paid paid like a dollar total for both of them and sold them for around 70 bucks so it's definitely a win there you go what about you all right. So it's funny because I kind of thought about the story and I was like, do I want to share this? Because, you know, a lot of people joke that certain influencers have killed certain brands. Right. But this brand that it's already been shared by a lot of influencers. So I'm like, if we share, I mean, we're not that big. We're not going to affect the market. But here's here's what's crazy. So I said to go to the thrift store because I was getting kind of bored. Like I wasn't getting any local deals lately. I had plenty of inventory to list, but it's the hunt. The hunt gets me. like I love the hunt. And so I decided to go to the thrift store and I'm at the thrift store and I see this flannel. I'm like, Oh, I know this brand. 
the brand is Dixon, double X's. Okay. And uh, two guys have talked about this. Uh, the Endless Thirst on Instagram should follow him and also K-Way Shop. And so uh, I find two of them. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a picture from Instagram and go like, there's still money to be made at the thrift. You know, like one of those motivational posts. And then I find a third one. And then I find a fourth one. Then I find a fifth one. Then I find a sixth one. Then I find a seventh one. And then I, I message those two guys. I'm like, listen. I think there's like 10 plus Dixon flannels here, but they're $20 a piece. Should I pick them up? And they're like, listen, th these things sell so fast. Like it, it's worth, even if you just double your money, it's worth it. You'll sell it within a couple of days. I'm like, all right. I found 23 in total. So I went to the thrift with only 300 bucks and <laughs> just the flannels were going to cost me $460. So I actually had to put, have them put stuff on hold and I went to the bank and got more cash out. So I bought all 23 for $460. Okay. Within, a, within two days, I already sold $360 worth. I already sold, I think, I don't know, like six flannels or something like that. Yeah. Like six flannels. Yeah. Six flannels. And then I listed one super high. It was the, uh, it was a pink one, a hot pink. It was a uh, breast cancer awareness. Dixon flannel. And I sold somebody, I saw somebody had it listed for, I think it was like $400. And, but I did see a comp that said like 180 and I was like, I'm gonna list this high. So I listed it at 500 and then it went on sale. Uh, and my sale at that time I was running like 30%. I hope the math makes sense here. <laughs> and, uh, it sold within 12 hours for $300. So I bought a flannel for 20. I, again, I say I, the only reason if I was a new seller, I don't know if I would have gone for these for $20. Right. But I knew what there was. I knew, you know, again, I always talk about networking. Those guys were great. K-Way shop, the endless thrift, great advice. And so I picked up all of them. So I'm already in the profit. Uh, and I've sold, how many have I sold? I sold like eight out of the 23, no, 90, 10 out of the 23. I still have 13 left and each of them sell for over a hundred dollars. Nice. So anyways, Dixon flannel, it's a bolo and uh, never know at thrift. I mean, 23, imagine what was that? Was it like somebody get divorced? Did like some kid go out to college? Somebody pass away? Like how did those all end up at the same time? Yeah. Who knows? I don't know if I, cause if you, anybody, and you'll, you'll see this, see this in the comments, probably like those are very hard to find. I've never seen one in my life until that day. And that day I saw 23. Sold, saw 23. Yep. It's just crazy. So that's my hustle of the week. All right. Hey, also another hustle is American Bubble Boy. Yeah. American Bubble Boy. In fact, American Bubble Boy is so great. My, uh, my mother-in-law is, uh, in the process of moving right now okay, too. Okay. And, uh, and she's been going to Home Depot and Walmart to get bubble wrap. She's got tons of like collectible trinket stuff and she keeps running out of it. And so finally my wife and I were like, you have to get American Bubble Boy. And she saved so much money going through American Bubble Boy that you should see her now when she's wrapping stuff. She's like triple quadruple wrapping. Nice. And I'm like, you're going to town on that stuff. She's like, yeah, this stuff's so cheap. And like, I'm like excited for her because she was, you know, paying a bunch of money and trying to go like light on the bubble wrap because she doesn't want to like waste it. Uh, and now she's like, feels comfortable to like really wrap her stuff because she's able to get American Bubble Boy and she didn't even have to leave the house, right? Just comes right to the door. So American Bubble Boy is great. If you use... Now, do we have a link going right now that, that people can use? There's no dis there's no discount right now. Okay. I do I do throw this out though to American Bubble Boy. Like you should sponsor us and we'll make a commercial with Mike's mother in law. Yeah. That's right. And and you know, it's just we're gonna reach multitudes of people. That's right. So and, and I, I need to I need to reach out and try to get us to this. I I said that last time and then it got busy. But either way though, I do think we have a link that you can use. No, we do we do have no go to the link because in, in the end the link does help out the podcast. Yeah, it lets them know yeah. that we sent you over that way. But you're still getting a great deal today, next day, local pickup, all free shipping. Definitely go to AmericanBoyBoy.com. Use our link below. All right. So let's talk about how buying low and selling high how it helps you after the sale. Well, one of the things is, you know, when you when you get a return on an item, it can be heartbreaking, especially if it's like a big sale, right? Like you sold something, it was huge, you made a bunch of money and you get a return and it's heartbreaking, but 
if you were able to buy something super low and then you get a return, it's really not the end of the world because even though you have that lost opportunity cost, it's not the end of the world because, hey, I didn't actually lose much money even if I had paid for the shipping back and then I can resell this. But the, where it comes into play really is when you're when you're buying lots of items and selling, especially on something like Amazon. Mm -hmm. If you're listing, let's say, uh, 100 items and your profit margin is only a few dollars per item, maybe they're, they're selling for 50 bucks a piece, right? And your profit margin is like three or $4. And you're like, well, that's not that big of a deal because I'm selling, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to sell a hundred of them this month. Mm -hmm. Easy peasy. Well, uh-oh, one of them returned. Okay, I lost $50 there. Oh, another one returned. All right, so I've lost $100 and my with my profit margin, I've made $100, I've broken even. All right, like that can easily happen mm -hmm. if you've got a very narrow, razor thin profit margin a couple of returns can sink you, right? Like it can yeah. really be detrimental. Uh, so there's that aspect. And then even on the eBay side, same thing. If you've got something really big, you you maybe you bought something for a hundred dollars, you sell it for 150. Whew. Hey, at least I made a little bit of money. Man, with the fees, that's and like then, $30. And then, yeah, you made $30 and then there's the return and then you're dealing, it, it's just too much, right? Like you're, the, the amount of work, the amount, it was probably costing more to ship because it was either you know, something you had to really work on making sure it was safe or it was a big item. So when you've got a low cost to start with and, you know, that that's really the key, then the returns aren't the end of the world um, because it's it's not going to eat your pocket into your pocket too much uh, because your ROI on every other item is easily covering that. No, I, I listen, I can't tell you how many times like I've had super expensive stuff and I paid five dollars and you know i sold it for like 200 and a return opens up and it's i've had the confidence of going like okay so what so they're gonna return it yeah it'll sell again. i mean yeah did i lose that 200 yes but technically i only paid five dollars for it and it'll sell again like you just said so it's not that i don't lose sleep over it but i gotta tell you it is <laughs> if you're playing with margins where you're just buying stuff for 100 and you're selling for 150 you can lose really quick Right. And so things don't bother. And here's the other thing. If you're buying low, okay, and you sell items that can easily, let's say, like electronics, right? If you're paying money for electronics and I know everybody thinks, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people think that they can recoup their money. Sometimes you can't. Like on Amazon with electronics, if somebody buys an electronic from you and it's working fine and they get it and they do something like they break it or they do something you will not get that money. 90% of the time, you'll not get that money. You have to fight tooth and nail to get any kind of money from, uh, from Amazon. I mean, there you can go watch all the Amazon YouTube videos. Most Amazon experienced sellers now will tell you that you pretty much have to count it a loss. Yeah. Right? Uh, I re And especially now with the post office too. The post office is horrendous now when it comes to insurance claims. Terrible. I even want to say privatize the USPS because I can't tell you how many people are on our discord, how many people in DMS. I myself experienced this where now I'll put out a claim obvious that the post office wrecked this item or lost this item. And then they'll say stupid stuff like days later, I'm ranting now, sorry, and go, please have the individual go to the post office with the packaging material. So our post office worker can determine if that's why it was damaged. Who does that? Yeah. Well, you're you're asking me to message a, a buyer and go, hey, by the way, can you drive like 10, 15 miles and take the packaging with you so I can get my insurance claim? So here's the thing. I recently lost a rhino, <laughs> a baby rhino figurine. OK, uh, oh, a, a figurine. A figurine. I, thought, I was worried you actually <laughs> lost your baby rhino. Oh, Glad that. I know. So I know. Okay. No, that guy that we, we take care of that guy. And so I shipped it out and I paid a dollar for it. Literally, it went from here to Torrance, California. Torrance, California is about a two-hour drive from us. On a good day, an hour and a half. All I had, and, and I, I, I did everything. I did the Mug Life wrap. I wrapped it up really nice. I did the bubble wrap, American Bubble Boy. I did the cardboard. And then I floated the box. I don't know what they did with this poor rhino. Like, did they just find, like, you know... Uh, the most sturdiest person in the complex and just said, I want you to, you know, do an elbow drop on this. Like, well, what? Like, I don't know. And guess what? I filed a claim with post office 
and I'm not going to get that money back. But you know what? I paid a dollar. Yeah. When you've got, that's the nice thing too, is when you have low cost items like that, um, just refunding the, the customer completely or having them keep an item is an option you have, mm-hmm. right? When there's been countless times where I've, I say countless, it's not that many. There've been times when I've sent an item to a customer and for whatever reason it's broken in transit or, you know, they tested a feature that like, you know, has some kind of flaw in it, you know, and it's like, Oh, you know, everything works. But then when you rewind with the, uh, thing in slow motion and the tape is whatever then it, and it's like okay that's a really random thing but um well do you want to send it back they're like well and i'm like how about this keep it right because i bought that thing for five dollars it's actually going to cost more to have that chip back yeah. to me than 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 i paid for it yeah maybe i sell it again but if there is something wrong with it if, if my if my baby rhino breaks <laughs> you know then i can say if i bought it at a low enough cost uh even if it's you're losing that that sell you're losing that price that's a bummer but I'm losing $5. So you don't have to think like, Hey, I've lost $200, which there's that opportunity, the opportunity costs mm-hmm. almost as it were that like you've lost that potential of $200. However, when it comes down to it, if it's broken, you can walk away with that. Whereas if you paid a hundred dollars for something and you sold it for two or $300, that's a lot harder to say, just keep it mm-hmm. or to say, Oh man, let me refund you. Yeah. Because you want to get every that dollar initial cost. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. You got to be careful now. This also allows you, if you buy low and sell high after the sale, you will be able to take on more risk, right? Because you'll have more capital, right? And, you know, my best buys have been my super low dollar big buys. So I buy a bunch of stuff and then I I start learning, right? So it's okay. I may lose out like on a 25% of the items I picked up, but since they were such a low cost and I've already bought this kind of item before, or I bought, you know, the other items that are profitable, I'm able to take more risk because now, you know, now, you know, okay, I can lose a little bit on these items here. Cause I, you know, cause I, at the price I bought them, but I can make a lot more money on these items because of the price I bought them. So the more it allows you to continue building and continue scaling if you buy at low cost. That's good. All right. And then last of all, it just gives you more options. Right there, there's a freedom in having the ability to buy things at a low cost. If you're always stuck to, I need to have this certain dollar amount. I need to have, you know, the the ability to make these pro- kind of profit margins. Like you're really held back by buying high. But if you buy low and sell high, you'll be able to consistently do well in the reselling business. That's right. And I think uh, we probably really don't have to convince most of our listeners that these are good ideas buying <laughs> yeah, low true. and selling high. Uh, so. We have plenty of episodes in our backlog of uh, ways, strategies of being able to pick up items for cheaper, uh, ways of being able to list items or take pictures of items to get more. Uh, but I think those are, some of them are, are pretty old back in our early days of, of the podcast. So maybe in the future, some of our next episodes, we'll kind of focus in on this idea because I think it is important and we can kind of hone in on specifically, maybe what are some ways of getting cheap items on offer up and eBay? What are some ways of getting cheap items at garage sales and, and through negotiation? What are some ways of taking better pictures or having better copywriting in your listings to make sure that you are getting better prices on your item. So uh, let us know maybe in the comments below specific things that you would think would be helpful for you and your business and we can potentially cover in a future episode. Yeah, and again, if you keep that at the forefront, buy low, sell high, you should be able to continually be successful in reselling. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace.